We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone. Touchdown! Samuel still on his feet inside the five. Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. And welcome to The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. And to help us preview the Tampa Bay Bucks this Sunday's opponent, we have Steve Che from Barstool Sports joining. Steve, how are you? Uh, great, Billy. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, so I asked this question to our previous guest who previewed the books, John Ledyard, week two. And okay. my first question to him was, what the hell happened last week? And I'll ask you that same question too. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys are catching us at a bad time. You never want to catch a team after a really bad loss. Um, interesting, yeah, the, that we play, uh, you guys, the Panthers, directly after a Saints game, which we end up getting completely worked. Um, 
you know, uh, week one was certainly something where you could be like, all right, well, the, the, you know, the team didn't have enough time to, to train together. The Saints, you know, for the most part, you know, adding, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders, but for the most part, Cesar Ruiz, but for the most part, they're the same team as last year. The Bucks had a lot of um, new faces and certainly Tom Brady being the newest. Um, this week, the excuses, um, you know, not really in the same place. I took a what? So I break down all 22 for the Bucks. Um, I've been doing that since, uh, 2015, uh, watching this week's tape, whenever we put up a stinker, watching the tape is always just brutal. Um, when you're down 31, nothing in a game on national TV against the vision rival, it's extra bad. Um, but I did want to go in and see kind of what was wrong. There were a couple things that were exciting and maybe some reasons that they weren't fully clicking. Um, probably the lamest of all reasons is uh, this was the first game there. Uh, they didn't uh, play their entire starting five for the offensive line. So Ali Marpet, who's an excellent left guard, he's arguably the best left guard in football. He's right up there with Quentin Nelson. Um, he missed the game. He missed his first per game with a concussion. Um, so we started a guy who's like our swing tackle, Joe Hay. He started at left guard. He actually played okay. Um, but you could tell that, you know, between him and Donovan Smith, who's kind of our inconsistent left tackle, um, the, the saints definitely exploited them with a bunch of different games. Um, but there were also some things that, um, are encouraging, but also, you know, points to a little bit bad timing. So I broke down one play on Twitter. Um, the other day I usually do a breakdown of, you know, a good play or something, uh, that is encouraging that maybe people on TV didn't pick up. And I'll put that out on Wednesday mornings. I wanted to focus actually on one play this past week and it was a sack. Um, but it was a play where Tom Brady was actually looking for Antonio Brown on like a scramble drill. So, um, the play was actually, it was four wides and there was a uh, Brady's out of shotgun. There was one back. So it was 10 personnel. Uh, there was two slants on the right side. There's Chris Godwin in the slot and then Antonio Brown on the right. Brady looks to Godwin first goes off and looks to a B and there's a safety barreling down on him. So if Tom Brady throws it, AB is going to get crushed. So Tom Brady and AB have what appears to be a good connection because AB immediately breaks the end zone. He is open. He's open for a touchdown. So Brady, you know, the offensive line is thinking, all right, Tom Brady gets rid of the ball pretty quick. He's going to drop back. He's going to step up in the pocket. He's going to deliver the throw. And that's what they're blocking for. Donovan Smith is going to get, you know, uh, a bad rap for this because technically he gave up the sack, but he didn't really do anything wrong. So he's blocking his assignment and he blocks some kind of the scenic way around Brady. So Brady can step up, deliver, but Brady rolls back or like steps back and rolls out because he's going to throw it to Antonio Brown for a touchdown ends up getting sacked, but this is a very clear example about how the whole team is not on the same page right now. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, AB practiced one time last week, Tom Brady and AB have an existing connection. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think technically uh, the addition of Antonio Brown could have thrown some, uh, you know, wrinkles into, into the bucks uh, scheme that maybe they weren't preparing for as far as, you know, they obviously weren't on the same page. But yeah, I mean, that's really what I'd point to. The Saints had a really good defensive scheme against the Bucs. Uh, the Bucs got out of their running game very quickly. I mean, they were down 28 nothing, you know, really before you knew it. Um, and they just really didn't convert their third down. So that was really the, the difference in the game. And uh, yeah, the Saints, the Saints are a good team. You can't make mistakes against them. Hey, uh, Steven, John Ellis, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining us, man. How you doing, John? Good, man. Uh, talk about Antonio Brown. It's a fascinating acquisition to me because, you know, he said, 
Uh, you mentioned he has the history with, with Tom Brady, of course, the time and then New England. They, they, of course, have a relationship together. They're close. Uh, but, you know, Mike Evans, we saw some uh, maybe some discontent during that one play. He was down the seam and looked like he was wide open. And I, and I think there's a lot the media is trying to put on uh, this situation right now. Some of it's probably unwarranted. To your point, it's early. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, so to speak. Are there concerns there from Tampa's end, or do you think they'll get that ironed out? Um, it's, it's definitely a fair question. Mike Evans was open, uh, even according to Bruce Arians, a lot uh, on Sunday. I think it's really a difference in philosophy. Now, Tom Brady loves Mike Evans. He said that in press conferences. He loves throwing to him. He's so talented. But when you look at Brady's last almost really 10 years um, in New England, he hasn't had like a number one guy. I mean, you can look at maybe Brandon Cooks like one year, but like, um, you know, he's never had like a really big receiver on the outside. He had a Tony Brown for one game where he's looking to them first. I mean, their offense uh, is primarily over the middle when you look at, you know, previously Gronk um, in his prime and then uh, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, et cetera. When you look at the Bucks offense and it's a vertical offense and down the field, Mike Evans might not be open immediately, but he typically is open and he is on the outside. So I think it's just really more of Tom Brady has to get used to looking outside in instead of inside out. Um, but I mean, it's hard to fault a guy who's, you know, his, what he's done has worked. So if Mike Evans has had six straight years with a thousand yards, he's the only player to ever do that besides Randy Moss. If he would get a thousand yards this year, he'd be the seventh and he'd be the only player to ever do that. And that very much is in jeopardy. Mike Evans also from all accounts that I've heard within the team doesn't really care about targets uh, and stuff like that. He just wants to win. So this stuff is going to blow up. If the team gets, you know, Molly on Sunday night football for everyone to see, uh, a few weeks ago, I think he had like one catch for two yards um, and, and he, and a touchdown. He was really happy after a post game. So um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not hearing him complaining about targets at all. Certainly he's a guy who throws his hand up if he's open, but um, you know, I don't think that that's going to be a huge issue. I would look for Tom to uh, Tom always does look for him in the red zone. They, they ran two fades to him um, at like the one yard line, which I hated um, this past week. So yeah, Tom is certainly trying to get him the ball when he can, but yeah, it's kind of a philosophical difference. So I want to focus a little more on the schematics of this offense. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, has been getting a lot of love nationally from different areas as a potential head coaching candidate, and I know Bruce Arians has given him the reins of the offense. What specifically in your mind has he done to this offense that you've seen that's really kind of elevated it in certain ways whether it's in the pass game or run game or, or or certain just schematic concepts that really help the offense function yeah so i mean this is this is bruce arian's offense by byron left which is calling the plays um you you know i'm not the biggest left guy i do like him um but i He's a guy that I would certainly give some pause as far as, you know, being a very hot head coaching candidate. I do know that his presence and leadership, um, you know, he played the quarterback position at a very high level, even for the Bucs for, for a year or two, uh, for a very long time. Um, and that certainly has stuck with people. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, I think he even talked about on his podcast, how he remembers interviewing Leftwich of the Combine and walking away like, whoa, this guy is going to be a really good head coach one day. Um, so certainly that is there. Um, but as far as like play calling and stuff like that, 
he mixes it up a little bit. Um, you know, we are definitely better at running the football this year than in years past. Um, something that I kind of don't love, and this is part of the offense, but you know, left, which is the one calling the plays is sometimes in like third and short, you look at the, even the game against, um, uh, Chicago where, you know, Tom Brady, you know, holding up the four fingers, not sure if it was fourth down or not. Um, you know, he threw kind of a deep pass on what was like a fourth and five or whatever in that game. Uh, looking back at the tape from this past week, early in the game, you know, there's, you know, third and shorts, there's third and manageable for sure. And the Bucks are taking really deep shots, which are low percentage passes. You know, obviously Tom Brady didn't have a ton of protection, but still like hopefully, you know, the thought as a fan, especially, you know, when you're your, your team getting worked and not being able to sustain a drive on national TV, just take the easy stuff. Like you can't go broke taking a profit. Um, but then looking at the route combinations for those plays, you know, there's not a ton of options on one of them that stuck out to me. I think it was third and three. It was maybe like 14, nothing at the time or seven, nothing. And, and you have one short route and everyone else is going pretty deep. Um, so that's kind of my issue with um, left, which I, you know, I don't think he's necessarily uh, a bad coordinator or I, I, you know, I just, I would pump the brakes on him being like a hot head coaching candidate. Brady does like him though. He said that in a tweet yesterday. No doubt about it. Uh, as we continue with uh, Stephen Che here, uh, Stephen, talk about the defensive side of the ball. What's going on with um, they, they've had some losses. Vitavea was a, was a big time loss inside for these guys. The nose tackle, of course, one of the highest rated guys from Pro Football Focus. Um, but the, the schematics of what they do defensively, they're the heaviest blitz team in the league, according to Matt Bowen. He posted mm-hmm. some stats last night on that. Not a big surprise. It's what Todd Bowles likes to do. He draws it up. He dials it up. Um, and I said coming into this season, I, I think that was going to be the key for this team, not necessarily as much Brady in the offense, but second year with Todd Bowles defensively. How impressed have you been by his schematics and the implementation along with the talent they have? Uh, I love Todd Bowles and the defense. It's definitely an exotic defense, you know, looking at Tampa Bay and just their history of the last, you know, 20 or so years, they've been a Tampa two defense, you know, Monty Kiffin was the architect of the Tampa two. It's called the Tampa two. Um, you know, they hired Lovey Smith to run a Tampa two. Um, you know, that has been the identity of this team with a four man defensive line for a while. Um, their personnel, and this is a credit to Jason Light, the GM, um, they've rebuilt their personnel to be a 3-4 team. And Vita Vea is the anchor of that. So losing him in Chicago was really a devastating injury because you're not going to find many 350-pound guys that are both a huge force against the rush and can rush the passer. Um, so they, they made a trade with the Jets for Steve McClendon, who's a veteran, um, who's you know, a fine uh, you know, solid player, but he's not like a game record, like a Vita Vea is. Um, so certainly you've seen the Bucks give up some bigger runs the past couple weeks. And I would point to that being the reason, not that McClendon's necessarily a bad player, but replacing Vita Vea is a tall order. Um, when you look at how the rest of the defensive line is formulated, it's kind of a model similar to the 2000 Ravens. I'm not comparing the Bucks to that defense because that's an all time defense and the Bucks are nowhere close to that yet. But when you look at how they're built, um, that Ravens defense had Sam Adams and Tony Saragosa, two you know enormous defensive tackles um, in the middle, so it was very difficult to run against. And then you had fast linebackers like Jamie Sharper and Ray Lewis to cover and kind of be able to run free. The Bucks are built in that vein where they have big guys clog in the middle, and they've got two outstanding linebackers who are very fast. You know, there was that um, uh, it went kind of viral on Bucks Twitter, but the 
Christian McCaffrey calling uh, Devin White the the best linebacker in the league. It's like you know the best in the league, right? So um, they have two very very good fast linebackers in Devin White and Lamonte David, and letting those guys kind of run free. On the back end, we've got a very young secondary. Carlton Davis. If you don't know him, he is a very talented cornerback. He should at least be in the. I don't think he's going to win it but he should at least be in the conversation for defensive player of the year this year. Um, he's really done an outstanding job all season. He's uh, I think he's tied to the lead, lead lead with four interceptions. Um, just a really solid player. He's shutting number one receivers down. Um, a healthy Michael Thomas had nine yards receiving against him week one. Um, one other catch against another player, but um, yeah, they're young in the secondary. Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean have been kind of hot and cold. Um, pro football focus. I know loves Jamel Dean. He gets a lot of pass breakups, but he also does get beat from time to time. Uh, Jordan Whitehead is a really aggressive safety. Uh, he's going to be kind of your box safety. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a rookie out of Minnesota. He's kind of a free range guy. He's a little on the small side, uh, but he is around the ball a lot. And Mike Edwards is a rotational safety who actually is kind of a ball hawk and they look to get on the field for passing down. So I do really like what this defense does. Shaq Barrett and JPP are really solid edge rushers and can pressure the passer. Um, and the Bucks do look to blitz their linebackers, Lamonte David and Devin White, a lot up the middle. They drop their edge rushers in coverage a bit more uh, than teams around the league typically do. So um, you never really know where the blitz is coming from with Todd Bowles. They can, you know, show they can sugar the a gap, and you know you can see pressure come up the middle, and it might come from a cornerback um, or a safety coming off the edge. So um, it, it definitely keeps you on your toes, and it's really fun to watch. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, folks. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. So what are the areas that offenses usually exploit on Tampa's defense? Because I've I've read some things recently that um, you know Tampa has been playing a little bit of soft coverage, which... Uh, you know, allows teams to kind of exploit underneath, especially the Saints with Breeze and Sean Payton. They like to go those quick, short, and intermediate routes. Um, Carolina has a very similar offense to that. Mm-hmm. What areas do you see that can really hurt this defense? Sure. So um, I would say that last week was kind of an anomaly. I think everyone um, that follows the Bucks pretty close who was surprised with the game plan. Bruce Arians came out after. And so the game plan was to get home with four and drop people. Now they did blitz that game. Um, Breeze did a really good job of stepping up and sidestepping and avoiding the pressure and kind of dumping it off. But they did blitz a fair amount early and just didn't really work. Um, I would be surprised if the Bucks came out really in like a soft zone uh, a lot this week. They do play a decent amount of zone, but they man up a good amount. They play press man 
um, a fair amount. So uh, I think you're going to see a pretty aggressive Bucks defense that's going to blitz a lot. Um, I mean, last time we played you guys, it was kind of the tail of two halves. Like the Bucks had an incredible first half. In the second half, the Panthers mounted a really good comeback, made it a one-score game. Um, so I, I think they're certainly going to take some learnings from that. Uh, what's the status with you guys on uh, Christian McCaffrey? I know he didn't play yesterday or he didn't practice yesterday. Is he uh, looking to be out this week or is he, you know, maybe a game time decision? The update as of this morning, Stephen, is he's going to miss this week. He's probably coming back for Detroit, they're saying. So it looks like McCaffrey's out for you guys. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm excited to see Jeremy Chin. I know he was also a limited participant yesterday, but I think he missed last week. Um, no he's, a, he's a fun guy to watch. No doubt. And just go on, on that note, I mean, give us your, your insight. We saw the, the week two game, and I was impressed, too, by how Carolina played defensively in the middle portion of that game. Obviously, the Bridgewater pick early on, you, you kind of set them back big time, uh, the screen pass, and you can't give Tampa opportunities like that. They're, they're good enough defensively. Can't give them any freebies. But mm -hmm. uh, your impressions on what Carolina has done on film so far this year, not only with Joe Brady offensively, obviously with Teddy Bridgewater and the weapons they have, but defensively, a very young defense with a lot of moving parts. Uh, what, what do you take away from looking at Carolina right now? Yeah, I mean, they're a really scrappy team um, in a lot of games. Um, I actually uh, I have a podcast at Barstool called the Going Deep Podcast that I co-host with Willie Clone and Joey Molinaro. And um, I actually picked the Panthers to upset the Chiefs last week straight up. Um, obviously, came very close. Joey Sly's a good kicker, but 67 yards is a tall order for anybody. Um, but, I mean, they, they certainly pulled out all the stops. Like, they knew early on in that game they were going to have to score touchdowns. It was whatever, fourth and one, fourth and two where uh, Teddy, you know, threw a swing pass to, uh, to, Teddy, to uh, Christian McCaffrey for the touchdown. So, you know, I, I see what Matt Rule is doing from afar, and, and you can't help but respect it. I don't know how much of that is Matt Rule, how much is Joe Brady. Uh, but, you know, even the, like the fake punt call was great. So um, they obviously know what they need to do to win, and they are an aggressive team. Um, so, I mean, I'm impressed with them. On, on defense, Brian Burns looks like he's continuing to develop. He's looking awesome. Um, I'll admit I wasn't super high on Burns coming out. Uh, his weight just kind of worried me. It kind of made me think of, like, Leonard Floyd from a few years ago. Um, but he's, he's been awesome uh, since he came into the league uh, almost immediately. And, uh, yeah, you know, Jeremy Chin's kind of a playmaker on the back end that kind of dropped down in the box and, and played with the big boys if he needs to. So um, has Dante Jackson, like, regressed? Um, I haven't heard or seen as much about him since uh, uh, this season, but I know that he, like, really kind of burst onto the scene. I mean, my, my thoughts on Dante um, coming in were, you know, the, you need to see a little more from him in terms of recognition and zone. And there's been a few breakdowns. Billy brought this up last week. Um, you've seen that from time to time, but also Rasul Douglas has had that problem as well, um, as well as Trey Boston. So I, I still like Dante. I don't know, Billy, what your thoughts are on 26 moving forward, but I still think he's a guy you can build around. We continue to move forward here with Stephen Che here. Um, th that first game was interesting, though. Uh, you know, and talk to me about Tom Brady once again in, in this very strange transitional year. Um, the yards per attempt, you know, they're, they're not – that high it's a team that i know bruce arians historically likes to push the ball downfield that's what he does it's what his designs are um but brady obviously from the last couple of years has had some limitations in that area um what, what are you seeing and i haven't watched as much of tampa the last few weeks i saw them early in the year are they pushing the ball downfield more now or is it still a lot of intermediate stuff yeah no they're letting it fly i mean this is this is a vertical offense we saw that uh, last year with, um, you know, James Winston, kind of like his yards per attempt and things like that. Um, but they're, they're pushing the ball down the field and Tom Brady's arm strength, 
the reports of it being diminished have been greatly exaggerated. I mean, his arm strength is totally fine. Um, he's making several 50 plus yard throws each game. I mean, he was, he didn't really get to step up. There was one play on Sunday night where it was, uh, right after the turnover on the goal line by Jared cook. I think it would have been, it should have been a 96 yard touchdown. Brady didn't really get to step up. So didn't get the, the placement he went on it, but I mean, he would have had Antonio Brown for a, a 96 yard touchdown had he kind of made the throw, but arm strength really wasn't an issue on that. Um, I mean, yeah, Scotty Miller is a guy that we look to get deep a lot. Whenever you see him uh, kind of split out or in a tight formation to prevent the jam, he's almost always running a go route. Uh, and he is an absolute field stretcher. I mean, uh, I call him the, uh, and, and, you know, take this as it's intended, but a very dollar store version of Tyreek Hill. Like he's <laughs> super fast, but he is just going to run deep. Um, and deep crossers and things like that. Um, he's not a guy, I mean, sometimes on a screen pass, but he's not a guy you're going to you know, be running slants over the middle or things like that. He's just a deep threat. Um, and Tom Brady has utilized him a lot. So um, he's certainly a field stretcher. And, you know, Tom Brady, arm strength-wise, has no issue pushing the ball down the field and actually has been terrific with his deep ball accuracy, except for last week. It's really tough going against Tom Brady after uh, a loss. And I think he's going to be really locked in. Um, something I would look out for, um, I pointed this out on Twitter, which was very interesting to see, is that the Bucks have had problems um, with finding a third down backer, just someone who can reliably catch the ball out of the backfield. Pass blocking from that position has been almost non-existent. Leonard Fournette has been doing a better job of that recently, but um, has, hasn't been great. But overall, they don't have a guy in the backfield who can really run routes and reliably catch a football. Um, even when I see Leonard Fournette kind of running, uh, uh, you know, a quick pattern or an angle route or something like that, it's not very good. The third, the second or third snap of the game, uh, I think it was third down and like three, Antonio Brown was in the backfield next to Tom Brady. That is exciting because they had, you know, we just talked about Scotty Miller. They had Mike Evans. They had Gronk, uh, Chris Godwin, and then they had Antonio Brown in the backfield next to Tom Brady. I think we're going to see actually a lot of that. They, they, they did one snap last week that I saw, um, but I think we're going to see that a lot more because he is a guy that you cannot put a, a linebacker or a safety on him. You know, even Jeremy Chin was, you know, really athletic safety. Like you can't put, that guy on Antonio Brown, like he commands like basically number one corner type skill. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, I doubt they're going to run the ball out of that formation with him, you know, maybe once, but um, I, I think that's something you'll, you, I would look to see as far as the line and like an overall prediction. Um, I mean, I'm never going to pick against the bucks five and a five or five and a half, whatever it was. Um, you know, that would kind of indicate it'd be a similar game like last time. Uh, yeah, I mean, technically I like the bucks to cover. Um, I think they do win this game pretty handily. Uh, I do think the Panthers are really good and, you know, just the numbers of Teddy Bridgewater against the spread are excellent. So it's really hard to bet against uh, Teddy two gloves, um, with a spread, but, uh, I think Tampa, this is a big time get right for, game for them. And, you know, before you know, Sunday at 8 15 or 8 20, um, this was a team that people were looking at as probably the number one team in the NFC. So um, I, I think that they're going to, I think they're going to prevail this game and probably cover the spread. I, I would look for based on our defense. I do think Curtis Samuel can score a touchdown in his, I think it would be fourth straight game. Um, he's a guy that from afar, you know, just from fantasy perspectives, I've seen emerge, but then, um, you know, last week, you know, I picked the Panthers to win that game straight up. So I was paying uh, somewhat, close attention to that game. And, uh, you know, it looks like they're using him really well. 
um, ever since he's been getting more reps. Um, the Bucks again, like a little bit shaky um, at uh, corner after Carlton Davis, which Jamel Dean or most likely Sean Murphy Bunting's going to be on him. He's had kind of a rough year. Um, and the Bucks are a very aggressive defense, and that can play into a, a I don't call him a gadget player, but a player of um, Curtis Samuel's, um, I guess, stature. Yeah, I, I think what Curtis has had 10 red zone touchdowns dating back to last September. It's, it's been impressive to watch. Uh, one of the best red zone threats in the league, actually, when you look at it. His catch rate is the highest in the league right now. So uh, my prediction, I, you know, I, I usually make these predictions about an hour before kickoff. I like to milk every minute I can so yeah. I can see how their injuries look and what the active list looks like. But um, – I think they'll cover. I don't know if Carolina can win this game. I'm like you, Steve, and I think Brady's going to be ultra 